0: Hi everyone, it's Megan Snuckle. Today we're going to review something a little bit different. Have you ever had a patient in clinic that had a serious illness and they asked you, how long do I have? Or maybe a patient that had repeated hospitalizations for the same thing, you know, such as a COPD exacerbation or a heart failure exacerbation, and now they're becoming closer and closer together where it seems like they're in the hospital more than they're at home. What do you say to those patients? Do you have anything that, you know, works for you? You know, our patients rely on us pretty heavily to help them through difficult times, and that does not exclude end-of-life care or end-of-life discussions. So today we're gonna talk about how to discuss prognosis with a patient and what tools are out there that can help you in the future. Providing prognostics to a patient can be extremely challenging. This can be in relation to the next time someone develops a recurrence, overall survival, or even likelihood of developing a complication. Some of our patients just want to know, but unfortunately, we don't really know the answer a lot of times. A study by Gripe in 2007 showed that every year a physician knows a patient, the likelihood of making an inaccurate prediction increases by 12% it is difficult to provide an exact answer, as most individuals do not have a predictable trajectory. Not only that, but medical advances are developing every day in an exponential rate. The prognosis of melanoma, for example, is drastically different than it was 10 years ago. And then lastly, each patient has a different set of comorbidities that can further complicate an accurate prognosis. So it is important to begin by assessing the patient's prognostic awareness. What does this mean? When a patient has a better understanding of their disease, they not only can make better informed treatment decisions, but furthermore avoid actions that are not in line with their wishes, such as resuscitation or maybe advanced treatments. When assessing a patient's awareness, the best strategy is to start with an open-ended question and allow your patients to just talk. What do they understand about their illness? What does the future for their illness look like? For example, does a patient with severe COPD with frequent hospitalization believe that the medications will reverse their chronic oxygen requirement that they have? Do they have realistic ideas of what that future looks like? Also, it can be helpful if it's okay with the patient, of course, to have the discussion in front of their healthcare proxy. This makes sure that everyone on the team is on the same page. There are some validated tools that can help with survival estimates. The Eastern Cooperative Oncology Group Scale and the Karnofsky Performance Status are used in the oncology setting. There's also a Palliative Performance Scale that can be used for both oncological patients and non oncological patients. It has 11 st- levels, and the range is from 0 to 100%, 100% being healthy, functional, independent individuals. There have been many studies that use this tool to gauge a time frame. So, for example, someone who scores in the 60 to 70% has roughly about 100 days. The scale looks at five main factors, and that includes ambulation, extent of disease, the patient's ability to self-care, and their conscious level. So now that you have your background ready, what are some key steps in the prognosis discussion? The first one is to prepare. So before having a discussion, you must review all relevant information in the medical record. This is labs, imaging, treatment history, all other notes from other clinicians, it actually might be even better to have an open discussion with the medical team and all the subspecialists to make sure that everyone has the same idea and understanding of the disease trajectory and prognosis, and if there are any other treatment options that one may have. The next is to invite your patient and, and put it in their court as well. Are they ready to have this discussion? So the next step is assessing the patient's information preferences. This is a step that's often overlooked but can be very important. Note that often patients will need a certain level of acceptance of their prognosis before receiving this information. But essentially we're asking our patients how they would like this information. Would they like it in percentages or numbers? Would they like big picture? Would they like it in a best case, worst case scenario, or maybe like a um, in reference to a specific timed event, such as a wedding, something in the future that's very important to them. So when using it in the context, you're able to really help your patients understand that prognosis in the way that they want to, to receive it. The next is to provide the prognostic information and then Don't forget, we need to address emotion. You know, when you're having this discussion of prognosis, several types of emotions might come up, including being, you know, extremely sad, fear, anger, even guilt. Now, it's important to really address these emotions head on in the moment because it really becomes a barrier for the conversation to move forward. If your patient's there in you know extreme grief or even extreme anger everything that you say after that the patient's not going to receive it so to take a step back address the emotion and once that is taken care of you can move on and then lastly is to really check the understanding of your patient so you know tell me what will you take away from our discussion today or tell me you know What do you understand of what I've told you today? So the last thing I wanna talk about is just how we frame the prognostic information we're giving to our patients. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to break it down individually. So there are three main types. The first one is a population level survival data. Um, So you're basically providing data on prognosis of the average patient in a similar situation. Uh, the next is more of individual survival estimate. So for these patients, you're providing units of time, such as weeks, months, years, et cetera. Um, you know, just take note here that it's better to um, not be too specific or even too general. So saying weeks to months or months to year, um, instead of, you know, six months or two months, et cetera. And then the last one, which is my personal preference, Um, but remember we're doing this for the patient preference, not necessarily ours. Um, but this is the best case, worst case scenario. So really telling the patient, you know, um, best case scenario with these options that of treatment options that we're presenting to you, it will increase your survival, survival, um, you know, to three months or four months. But worst case scenario, you can develop severe side effects to this treatment Potentially becoming hospitalized and even die sooner from complications of those side effects. I think this also really helps and is beneficial when discussing treatment options in in particular, because um, I I feel like it just really gives a visualization for the patient on on what could happen by doing these treatment options, um, and it can even you know allow the patient to kind of have a idea of, of what they want for themselves. So, you know, at this point you might have that one patient that says, you know what, I'd rather just not do anything um, or, you know, let's try this or maybe kind of meet in the middle. So not the most um, exciting topic, but it is really important for, for us as providers and physicians to you know, make sure that we're doing our due diligence and when we're presenting this prognostic information for our patients, we're helping them just really have that further understanding of their own disease and their clinical course that might ensue. So I want to thank you for your time and we'll see you next week. Thanks, bye.